0: Amen. A beautiful word. A beautiful word about the scandalous grace and mercy of God. One that gives us the privilege of prayer and particularly the kind of prayer we'll talk about today in in confession uh, where we come before God and can admit freely and openly that we were wrong. That we are sorry for what we've done. Uh, My name is Drew Smith. Welcome to you here. And those that are online, I get the privilege and honor of being the pastor here of the Church of Jesus Christ that meets here at College Hill Presbyterian. Uh, Thanks for uh, again joining with us. And and as, as today, as we're in Lenten series of how we converse with God, and particularly today, this prayer of confession. Which I think is one of the most important elements of prayer and yet one of the most difficult. Because, at least, I find it difficult to say I'm sorry. I find it difficult to say that I'm wrong. You know, I I naturally go to the place of defending myself or blaming others when I'm wrong. Instead of openly and honestly admitting it. And what we'll find today, that this, this prayer of confession helps to free us, uh, helps to, to teach us. It is, it is the way that uh, learning to say I'm sorry brings healing and reconciliation all around Learning to say I'm sorry brings healing and reconciliation, like we just heard and and saying, not only to my soul, uh, but also to my relationship with God and and my relationship to others brings, has impact on me and on the world. We'll look today particularly at Psalm 51, a prayer of confession, a prayer from King David. Um, and it's. And this is not just a little run-of-the-mill confession. This is one where King David, whose God has gifted, God has placed in the position of power and influence as the leader, as the king of God's people. He is the one, one of the the top characters in all of scripture, a man after God's own heart. And yet one of his most famous prayers is this one where he confesses, I'm sorry, I was wrong. It's not just a little wrong either, as we'll read in in the passage um, in the beginning of it. This is right after David's sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, her husband. Um, David is king. He would sent the army out to, to do the, the work of war while he stayed at home. And while he was home, he noticed his neighbor Bathsheba and he desired her. And what the king wants, it's very dangerous because the king can get. And he did. And he invited Bathsheba over and then had... Uh, her, his way with her and then sent her back home while her husband Uriah was on the front. And then it came back to King David that Bathsheba was pregnant. And so then he had to make a plan to cover over what he was doing and then multiplying the evil that in the way that he was using the power and privilege that he had for his own delight. And he called eventually he sent word to the army and told the leaders, put Uriah on the front and then back away so as to assure his death. So then he committed murder. And in this, that time, then God sent the prophet Nathan to tell him a story that would then open him up so that he could reveal to him the depth of the evil and sin. That he had committed. And this is his prayer of confession. Then that we see in Psalm 51. This is the the depth of not only the evil that we can do. But even more so. The depth of God's steadfast love. And overflowing mercy. That is greater than our sin. Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you for your written word that speaks to us of your truth. Your truth of our fallenness and of your beauty. Of our evil and your goodness. Your never changing loyal love and grace beyond measure. May you allow our hearts and minds to be broken and contrite so that we might receive Truth of your word. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Psalm 51. Uh, it's Psalm um, 474 in your pew, Bob, if you want to turn there or you can follow along on the screen. This is the intro. To the choir master, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then... I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God or a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. O oh God. You will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices. In burnt offerings. In whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, the, the first thing you ha- we have to note of the, the psalm uh, of all that we've been singing about this morning is that the very reason we come to confession and we can come openly and honestly in admitting we're so- that we're wrong and saying, "I'm sorry," is because of the faithfulness of God's character. In the very beginning, this is what he focuses on. He, he focuses on God's steadfast love and His overflowing mercy. What we, what we need to know and be reminded of for anyone and everyone that within earshot of this, of my voice, anyone and everyone that breathes, God's scandalous mercy welcomes all confession. God's scandalous mercy welcomes all confession. I mean, because it is based on his steadfast love. Now, steadfast love means it never changes. Never erodes. It, it, it never grows weary. It, it do, does not, not impacted by time or circumstance. One iota. There is absolutely no decay. There is nothing like it, anything in this world. I mean, can you imagine something that never changes? You know, your, 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 your mom, your dad, they might be great and they might be your stalwart, your best friend, but I got news for you. They're decaying. They're, they're changing. They're weakening. Yeah, you know, it seems like this building will be here forever. I mean, it's going, it it's it's solid as a rock, but we all see even today what destruction can happen to the build the largest buildings we've ever seen. This this is the steadfast love of God. It is the one thing that never changes one Iota. And this this steadfast love we're told it is overflowing with mercy. Now, it's got to be. It's got to be overflowing with mercy. Because what we know about God is that God is pure. God is good. There is no ounce, not even the tiniest speck of dust of evil in the character of God. None. Zero. So so you and I, with even a speck of dust of evil, would be consumed if we come into the presence of God. That his his purity would consume us in in an instant. So he must be overflowing with mercy to allow you and I even into his presence, let alone to confess our sin. Let alone to, to come in without having to do anything but place our trust in him. That, that is the, the steadfast love and the overflowing mercy of God. Now we see it most clearly and, and most relatably in Jesus. Because Jesus is God in the flesh. What Jesus does, God does. What Jesus says, God says. And we go, if you want to just be overwhelmed with this, uh, steadfast love and overflowing mercy of God, then just go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. Just go read about Jesus and we'll see over and over and over again. He is hanging out with prostitutes, with sinners of every type, with the filthy rich people who have abused their power in order to get their money. Jesus hangs out with them and He forgives their sins and welcomes them into His presence. We see it at the end of his life where he's hanging on the cross, where he's wounded for our transgressions. We just so beautifully heard and and there with nails in his hands and his feet and thorns in his side. He's got two criminals who deserve to be there on his side. And one of them turns to him and says, "Uh, welcome me into your home. Forgive me. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise, a deathbed conversion. And Jesus says, yes, come to me. And while Jesus was hanging on the cross, one of his closest friends betrayed him, denied him. Peter denied him three times. People came up, don't you know that guy? No, I don't know him, never seen him. And then after Jesus' resurrection, makes it a point to come to Peter and to forgive him three times. And to to empower him and send him back into ministry. That, that is the character of God. So, brothers and sisters, no matter what you have done, even on your way to church this morning, or just turning on the TV, whenever you watch this, the character of God does not change. And He welcomes your confession with open arms. And so because of that, knowing that character, David then, who, who, who's a man after God's own heart, knows the heart of God, then he can come, given what he's done, and confess his sin. And, and, and what we see with him about honest confession, honest confession states clearly what was done wrong. David makes it clear that I am wrong. I am sorry. I have done what is wrong. I've been wrong since the beginning of life. I am a broken human being. It listed in the intro, uh, what he had done with Bathsheba and then recognizing murder in verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness. He did not mince words. Now, you know, like I said in the beginning, I don't like saying that I'm wrong. I, I would much rather blame somebody else or just get defensive because the the things that i do that are wrong i choose to do yeah as far as i know i mean there there's there's nobody has my playing mind games on me there might be pressures that i'm facing there might be challenges difficult situations but when push comes to shove i choose to do what i do and largely i'm motivated out of my own personal desire to not get hurt my own personal desire to pursue my own pleasure. My own personal desire for some kind of relief or peace. I am doing what I choose to do and often I choose to do what is wrong. And it just takes a lot to get me to that point. I, I'm, there's somewhere along the way I'm believing a lie that what I'm choosing to do will somehow bring me peace. Somehow bring me power. Somehow bring some benefit to me. When I'm going my own way instead of God's way. And what David is recognizing here in verse six, he's recognizing that he's living that lie, living his own way because what God delights in in verse six is truth in the inward being and wisdom in the heart. To live according to truth, to live according to God's wisdom. Now, it's important to know, though, in time of confession, when I honestly confess to God, just like with David, with me and with you, our our relationship, our standing before God, it's secure because it's because of Jesus and and his death and his resurrection. It's because of the character of God. Now, um, my my fellowship, my connection with God. Now, that's hampered. Uh, I'm turning away from God, but God's not disowning me. Just like relationships um, with our own parents. Uh, when our parents get mad at, at a child, there, there, there may be that the fellowship and the connection is broken, but the relationship is still the same parent to child. And so it's because of God's character. As I rest, as David rests, as you rest in the character of God, then I can come before God, put aside defensiveness, put aside self-protection, put, put, a, put aside blaming others, and just I can be open and honest with God. And what God's God's response to us, as we see here, is what David cries out for. God offers complete Cleansing. Complete and total cleansing. And total restoration. I mean, I love David's prayer, the bold things that he's asking for. He's not saying, oh dear God, would you please just forgive me? Just let me back into the room. I'll just sit in the back, you know, or I'll, I'll sit on the side or I won't even, I'll stand the whole time. I'll just, I just want to be, you know, somewhat close to you and just not thrown out into hell. I just, just, just take care of me. Just let me in. That's not what he asked for. What's he saying? I want full restoration. I mean, David knows the character of God. I want the joy of my salvation. I want your Holy Spirit back in me full. And so that then I can go and teach. Yeah, I can go and tell others of your goodness. That's what I want. I, I, I love that David boldly asked for full restoration and a clean heart. And brothers and sisters, that's what God brings. Now... We're going to talk about this a little bit, too, about forgiveness and confession with one another. That doesn't work so smoothly, necessarily. Partly because the people that I wrong, they're not God. And because they're not God, they're going to have to talk. They're going to have to work through that with God as well, humanly speaking. The journey of forgiveness is what we're on with one another. And we'll, we'll talk about that um, in, in a little In a little bit. But because recognize with David, I mean, he is totally restored and renewed with God. He is made right with him, filled with the Spirit and the joy of his salvation. He still committed murder. Uriah is still dead, and Bathsheba is still pregnant. And there's still a mess that he has now initiated among those that follow him. But before God, that is complete. And then with God's people. They are on the journey of forgiveness. This process of confession, then, what, what happens, we see with David then, that offers complete cleansing and then transformation. If you're offering words of confession, confession will change you. That's the ultimate purpose of confession. Now, I'm sure with David, I know with me, There are all kinds of mixed motives. I mean, I want to avoid punishment. You know, I want to avoid some of the consequences of my sin. And I also want a renewed relationship with God. And I even want, sometimes, maybe not as much, a change in character for me. That would want and desire not what I think brings me peace, but what God tells me brings me peace. Not what I say is right and wrong, but what God says is right and wrong. That's the goal here, verse 17. That's the the ultimate statement that he makes for, for the the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. You know, it's when, we're, when we are humble, when we are blatantly honest, when we are broken, when I have set aside any sense of trying to prop myself up, any sense of defensive, any sense of blaming others, when it is just me and God, that is when I am most alive and so are you. You are most alive when you are a broken, contrite spirit before God. And that's the journey of confession. Experienced that recently in the last year with uh, with my wife, who I wronged. Now, not like David. Well, like David, but nowhere near to that. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't tell you this story. And she wouldn't have let me tell this story. But, laughter aside, it was significant. I had begun to take on some commitments in ministry, good things, that I was hiding from her. Because I knew she would argue with me about them. And, again, there were good things. And then I'd go and carry out responsibilities in those ministries. She would ask me, hey, where would you go? And I lied. At Around the same time, I'm, I'm reading a book about spiritual health for pastors. You probably see where this is going. And in, in the book is clear to say, you know, we are our are, are, are whole beings and we need to lead in our ministry, whatever our station in life is. If you're single, then you lead out of your singleness. If you're married, you lead out of your um, married marriedness. You know, you you are living out of that. And so you need to be in, in partners, you know, with your spouse in your ministry. Isn't that just like God? To me? I'm reading that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'd be reading that and I'm like, oh. Uh I can nickname that book Nathan. And so then I realized, okay. Yeah, this, this is not good. And, th- and then the more you think about it, I'm like, I'm lying to my wife, the woman I love. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm hiding stuff from, from the woman I trust myself with more than any other human being I know. Honey we got to talk and it's not going to be a fun conversation. And we did. And I told her what I had done. And you know, and she she was good in in her response I mean she there it was not anger there was not huge emotional outburst or anything like that it was actually much worse. It was silence with a tear. Then said, "Yet yeah, that hurts. Talk about gro- broken and contrite. This is the, the woman I've been married to for 37 years who I love with every ounce of my being and I have hurt the one who loves me similarly. That's broken and contrite and I was ready to hear and listen and say, all right, what, what do we do To bring healing here. How much more so with God. Do we come. Do we come before God. Recognizing how we. Have hurt. In a human standpoint. God. Now confession. Changes you. And me. And it changes us. Confession also changes the community around us. It impacts the world. And that's what happens in verses 18 and 19. After he's broken and contrite heart, then he turns to the community and says, now God will bring blessing to Zion, to Jerusalem. He'll build the walls back. Now God will come and we will sacrifice to God in in the fullness. We'll worship God together. In the beauty of His character, of His righteousness, of His goodness. For, for brothers and sisters in Christ, for people in the community, receiving this forgiveness and then living it with one another is not an option. Jesus makes that clear. In the Lord's Prayer, when we pray, uh, forgive us this day our sins, as we forgive those who've sinned against us. If, if you look at the last page or the last verse after that in, in the in book of Matthew, he makes it clear, you don't forgive others, then what? You really don't forgive my forgiveness to you. You really don't understand my forgiveness to you. You have not fully received my forgiveness to you if you think you can hold a grudge against someone else. If you think you can, for, you can refuse to forgive another, then you have not received fully The forgiveness that God has given to you. Now, that's not easy. That's a journey. It's a journey of forgiveness that takes a while. But it's a powerful expression of God's character within us. Prayers of confession transform us. I have a story to share with you a little video. Here, so about three minutes, it tells the story of this kind of scandalous grace, this kind of forgiveness. You, in a
1: small apartment building in North Minneapolis, Thank a 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me... He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Laramian Bird, was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20, and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was... Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This. Close. He lives next door. Next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow, she could forgive her son's killer. What would she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, look, you don't know me, I don't know you, let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, they are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive.
0: Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me it 's for me
1: for oShea it hasn 't been that easy i haven 't totally forgiven myself yet i 'm learning how to forgive myself, and i 'm still going towards you know trying to forgive myself and for what it is i 've done to that end, oShea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he 's determined to pay back mary 's clemency by contributing to society in fact. He's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Which explains why Mary can sing her praise of thanks to her audience of one. Steve Hartman, CBS News, Minneapolis.
0: Amen. Mary and Israel continue today in a ministry, just as they were talking about there. And you may have even heard at the end, too, with Israel, he was on the journey when the interview was done several years ago, learning to forgive himself. It's a, it's a, it's a journey. It's not a journey with, with, with God. God's forgiveness is instantaneous. But it's a journey with one another and a journey with self. And he's on that, and now they do continue to travel in churches and prisons and sharing their story of confession and forgiveness based on the steadfast character of God. Now, on the, on your way out uh, today, I'll um, uh, give you a card. It's a little card. It's the six steps of apology that I... Uh, st- Dole directly, with permission, from uh, Ford Taylor, if you know Ford. Um, uh, He uh, um, and his um, website is uh, listed on the card. It just gives these six steps of how, one, we ask apology, we apologize to God. And two, we apologize to one another. And uh, keep um, this, uh, I found this helpful. Um, uh, The first step is you state the offense. And you, and you see this in David. And if you're in growth groups, you'll have a copy of this, and you can even talk to one another. How do you see what David is saying here, that's similar here? You, you, step one, you, you state the offense. This is what I did. Two, you say, I was wrong. And, I, and leave it at that. Don't bring anybody else in. And then apologize. I'm sorry for what I did was wrong. Then step four, ask for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? And then ask for accountability. Will you help me change? Uh, That's really uh, where the rubber meets the road. That this journey of confession isn't just getting out of the pain. It's not just avoiding the trouble, but it's about transformation. It's about me wanting to be who God's created me to be. And then the, then the final step if you choose to go there. And is there anything else? Is there anything else we need to, to talk about? Again, you'll, you'll see this on your, your way out and you can go to Ford Taylor's website to look, look at that. And that can help guide both our relationship with God and as our relationship with one another. You know, what, what absolute crucial need our world is of need of, of people that can openly, honestly confess their sin, ask for forgiveness, and then grant it to one another. I mean, just think uh, the revenge and vengeance would, would dissipate to nothing. That's, that's the kind of people that God's called us to be, that's His people. as as his folks who, who are trying to be a witness to him in the world. The people who live according to the steadfast love and the overflowing mercy of God in our relationship with God, with ourselves, and with one another. The world's desperately in need of that kind of people. Let's pray together.